Hey, Coach, here's a question for you. Do you have any idea what your lack of sleep does to you? Do you have any idea what it does to prevent you from being a great coach, much less a great recruiter? Well, today, we're going to talk about that with an expert that you're going to want to listen to only here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, crime-fighting barber and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, I know what you're thinking. Do I really want to listen to a podcast where Dan and some expert is going to tell me that I need to get more sleep as a coach, blah, blah, blah. Well, my answer to that is yes, coach, you do, because what we're going to talk about today is on the verge of being an epidemic in college athletics, and it's leading to career burnout, a lack of focus, a lack of ability to coach to your full ability, and certainly it affects recruiting as well. And you know what? If it affects recruiting, it becomes my business, and my job is to make you the best recruiter possible. And also, coach, this goes to coaching longevity because you want to know what causes burnout and an unhealthy lifestyle and premature disease and everything bad that happens when we don't take care of ourselves. Well, it it prevents you from being the best that you can be. And so much of it can be traced back to the hours that coaches are asked to put in and the focus that it causes you to lose because of this lack of sleep. Now, I am recording this from a hotel room, getting ready to do an on-campus workshop that we're going to be a part of. And so it's a little bit ironic that I'm talking to you about uh, the need for more sleep when I myself am probably the worst offender when it comes to keeping bad hours from time to time. I mean, I, I keep the same hours as you do, Coach. Um, we deal with a couple of hundred different clients around the country. I travel more than 100,000 air miles a year and sleep in a lot of places where you just aren't comfortable. Uh, for me, I, I, the first night I sleep in a hotel room, it's hard to get to sleep and I have to wake up early. And and uh, so it's I get it. I understand. But after listening to our guest, I've really been putting in a conscious effort to get more sleep. Um, and our guest today is Dr. Tracy Davenport. Um, and I'm going to tell you about her in just a second. But here's how I put this to the test. Um, I live in North Carolina, and so uh, recently we went through Hurricane Florence. And uh, while we didn't suffer in the area that I live in all of the devastation that a lot of the coastal communities and central part of the state of North Carolina and around the south suffered, because of the hurricane and all the, the rains and flooding, um, it did cause schools to be canceled. And uh, it caused my travel to be canceled for uh, a couple of days. And so I found myself catching up on sleep. Uh, that meant I went to bed a little bit earlier. And I slept in, Coach, I'll be honest, I slept in until like 9 in the morning, which I never do because I didn't have to be anywhere uh, urgently. Um, there was no school, getting kids ready for school. That wasn't a thing. And so I was just able to sleep. And that happened for about three or four days. And I can tell you that after two of those days, after the second night of really good sleep, I got so much more done. I was so much more focused. I enjoyed the day so much better. And it really hit home uh, for me 
with what I was hearing Dr. Davenport talk about. And this, I want you to listen to her as well. And I think I'm going to convince you to, to change your sleep habits and also more closely monitor what goes on with your student athletes and their sleep habits because it is directly affecting everyone's performance. Um, a little bit about our guest before we jump into the interview and this really fascinating discussion that we're going to have. Uh, Dr. Tracy Davenport, she has been a health nutrition advocate and expert for decades. She has authored over a thousand articles on everything from nutrition to sleep, uh, mental and physical performance. Uh, so she is a trusted expert in in this field. And that's why we went to her is because she is passionate about having coaches understand this uh, this epidemic and doing something about it. Uh, full disclosure, she is the wife of a staff member here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. Dr. Mike Davenport is her husband, and many of you know him from the College Recruiting Weekly newsletter that goes out uh, in your inbox every Tuesday morning. He writes a lot of articles, authors the website Coaching Sports Today, and is generally just a really uh, excellent thought leader when it comes to college athletics and being uh, a great coach. And so, Tracy is his wife, and she uh, she's just, you know, again, one of the experts in the field when it comes to all this. So I want to jump into the interview with her. We'll give her you her contact information at the end of the podcast because if you have questions or you would want her help, because she works with coaching staffs, corporations, individuals around the country uh, as a, a personal coach, um, we'll give you that in, in contact information. But we jumped off this episode by uh, really asking a very simple question of Dr. Davenport, and that is this. Why is it so hard for coaches to pay attention to their sleep habits and to take a more serious outlook on their overall mental and physical state? Uh, it's a great question. It's Sleep is so important for all of us. Um, not just the student athlete, but also those of us that are working adults. Um, it makes a difference in almost every aspect of our working lives, of our romantic lives, of our intellectual lives. You know, and for athletes, it makes all the difference in so many different ways. So, okay, so when you all of those different ways and I could just hear a coach starting to listen to this saying, you know, I've got all my administrative stuff I have to do. I've got practice, game planning, workouts. And now Dan and Tracy are adding uh, the importance of sleep and nutrition to my list of responsibilities. So what, what answer the question for that coach? Why would they, why should they care about this? Why is it as important as those other things that they have to put time and attention to in their daily lives. Okay, here's why. And I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball. Yeah. But if they don't have the foundation of sleep, they're wasting their time in so many other directions. And you're talking about a group of individuals, and you know that I've been married to a coach for 31 years. Yes. That you're talking about a group of individuals that are on a limited budget, they're already missing family time, they're strapped in every different direction. So if they don't have the basic platform for all the other things they're doing, they're just going to be spinning their wheels. And so what I bring to them and to you today is information on how they can be better, on what they can do can be more effective with one change. 
and it's not going to be a simple change, but do you mind if I just give some brief background about why we know sleep is important now? When we yeah, you know, in fact, the question that when you were talking about that, uh, before you get into that, the, the one thing that popped into my mind was, do you have proof that you could give a coach to say, here's why what we're talking about is so important when it comes to, um, you know, the information retained, the performance, everything related to coaching and athletics and competition. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is right down the road I'd, I'd like to go down. Yeah, I mean, the proof is beyond there, Dan. The experiments that you can do in a lab and that we can see um, in everything from the Exxon Valdez, Valdez to the space shuttle, most of our natural man-made disasters have been due to sleep deprivation. We can look very clearly in the lab of what happens to the brain when it sleeps, what happens to the brain when it doesn't sleep. So the research is there. The problem is there's so much pushback against the research. You know, we've got school and workplace demands, and now, you know, off-site communication after hours for both athletes and coaches. We've got uh, students that are sleeping with their phones. We've got large companies that are looking to profit, and I'm a business person, so I'm all about business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we've got uh, young people that are sleeping from 10 o'clock till, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, they're not going to get the fourth meal at Taco Bell. They're not going to use the minutes on <laughs> Verizon. They're not going right. to order from Amazon. These are very real concerns for corporate America. And so, you know, we're not going to be encouraged to sleep. And then the other thing that happens is our own self-assessment of how much sleep we need, whether we're an athlete or a coach or an athletic director or a business person, is really mostly wrong. We think we feel good, but we don't. We think we're performing at our best, but we're not. That's There are so many different pushbacks against this topic is the problem. Right. You know, and I was just saying, I would add to that list, and maybe this sort of gets encompassed in one of the aspects that you just brought up, but when you look at college athletics and the coaching culture in most sports is, you know, you put in the extra hours, you you sleep in your office sometimes in the season if you have to. You, uh, it, it, it's almost the idea of, um, you know, that if you're sleeping, you're losing. You're if you're Absolutely. sleeping, you're you know you're you're letting your competitor you know spend more time analyzing video and preparing. And so your answer is, well, then we need to, um, you know, we need to do that. No, and I, here, here's what I would say, yeah. Dan. I would say. When I was a high school athlete, I'm 55 now, and when I was a high school athlete, we used to think that when you drank water um, too much that you were a wimp and it was softening you. So some of those ideas, although they feel right in your heart, they're just not biologically correct. Right, right. And so time has moved forward. Uh, neurotechnology has moved forward. Just like we know now that athletes, we should give them as much water as we, they want, we now know sleep is in that same category, but it's getting people to understand the research is where we get stuck. Right. Okay. So give give an example since you brought up this idea that that there's all of the studies that support the idea that more sleep is better and that it actually affects performance. Can you give us one or two examples of the practical yep. uh, results when you don't get good sleep? And, and maybe before you do that. What is good sleep? What what? How much sleep should a, a coach or much less yep. any of us uh, be getting every night? Okay, so seven to nine hours on average for an adult, and 
adolescents, you're talking about, you know, freshmen, 17, 18 year olds, maybe sophomores, uh, eight to 10 hours of sleep. And I understand that, you know, a lot of people are rolling their eyes right now, but what we see from research is that very, very few of us fall outside of those windows. We can look at cognitive performance, we can look at physical performance. There are very few of us that fall outside those windows. That being said, let me give you an example of how this is gonna directly um, impact the people that are listening. One of the famous experiments about sleep is you can take college freshmen in an experiment and you can put them in two groups. One group will be sleep deprived like usual in a college environment. The other group, right. they make sure they have uh, eight to 10, seven to nine hours of sleep. What they do then is they bring them to the lab and they show them a series of disturbing pictures one after another. Maybe it'll be somebody with a gun in the mouth, maybe it'll be a car accident, very disturbing pictures. The group of students who have had adequate sleep respond by like, oh, gross, please shut that off, that's no fun. The group of students who have not had enough sleep and are shown the disturbing images absolutely freak out. They are rolling around in the fetal position, screaming at each image. What we don't see when we, ha when we what we see when we don't have enough sleep is a lack of what we call emotional resiliency. So one of the things that happens when we sleep is we develop emotional resiliency. Now let's take it to your team. Your coach has just spent a lot of money and time recruiting these freshmen. They come in, they have roommate issues, they come to the coach and they say, I hate my roommate, everything is a disaster, I'm so homesick. And how many of your coaches do you think are going to say, tell me how much sleep you've had last night, right. the night before, and right. the night before. When we know that their mood can be improved and they can develop more emotional resiliency, so when the roommate is a jerk, they're not laying on the fetal position ready to go home. That is such a clear example in my mind. Right, okay, so take, now take it to, you know, to, from the coach perspective as well. Um, I think I told you as we were starting to talk and get ready for this interview that one of the things I would love to do at some point in, in my career, or maybe this is something that, uh, that, that you or another professional can do is, I would love to study college football coaches uh, their decision-making and sort of cognitive reaction skills uh, at the beginning of the season compared to the end of the season, because you know that most teams are are being overworked and coaches aren't sleeping and coaches are sleeping in their office for three hours and then they're right back at it. And it would be fascinating to hear or, or see evidence that the decision-making skills for a coach go down. But that's that's, you know, something in the future maybe. Yeah. Give us a, an example of of why a coach should be really paying attention to the sleep they get and how it affects them. Right. Well, let's talk about the physical component. When you get enough sleep, forget about the intellectual. I can tell you right now, your decision making is better, your emotional capacity is better, but just physically, when you get enough sleep, a couple things happen. One is that there's a healing period in that. Um, so if you're not feeling well, if you're on the field, your knees are hurting, your shoulders are hurting, when you get adequate sleep, you have time to heal. Another thing that happens is that your hormones get balanced. When your hormones aren't balanced, you're going to make some incredibly bad food choices. You're going to be moody with your staff. Um, your blood pressure is going to be higher. You will put yourself at greater risk for cardiovascular disease. 
and you're not going to be performing at your peak level of performance. So you're asking your players to perform at their peak level. But if you're not able to model that, and one of the pleasures I had this summer was to, I had a, a college football coach as one of my clients. And about two weeks into the work, I have a six-week package. About mm -hmm. two weeks into the, my work with these people, they absolutely hate me because we get them on a sleep program. And they're like, crap, I tried to go without sleep, and I really suck at it. And I said, you know what? You really sucked at it before, too. But now you just know how bad you suck at it. Right. You know, so you really begin to feel good sometimes for the first time in your career. And you're right. able to feel good and model that for everybody else that you're asking to perform at their best. To me, that's got to have some power to it. Right. So how do we get in this spot where sleep is sort of less for the weak people and, and uh, you know, if I'm going to be a high performer, I'm going to only work on, you know, four hours of sleep. And you hear uh, all of these high performing, successful people that, you know, brag about, you know, they only get, you know, four or five hours of sleep every night. Yep. So how do we get to this point of, you know, of really maybe having to take a hard look at how much sleep we're getting? Why, why, why is that? Why are we in the position now that we're looking at it? Well, no, how do we, as a as a culture, get in this position where you know we oh, we have easy. to actually justify why why yeah. we need sleep? Well, that's because you know I'm from the generation of I remember when they asked us, they gave us a code, and they said you're going to have to use this code to call into your voicemail and check your messages. I was working at a, as an engineer at the time, and the state construction engineer said I'm not going to take that code from them because then at some point they might ask us after five o'clock to call that number. And we all thought he was the most old-fashioned person in the whole world. But what I realized later, he was the most brilliant person in the whole world because that was the beginning of working past five o'clock. You know, I'm still in a generation where you didn't work past five o'clock because nobody could call you after five. Right. And right. so the workplace hours began to expand. Uh, sports began to expand past then. And of course, in television, you know, television used to end at nine, 10 o'clock, but then we were able to record shows. And then, you know, technology went beyond our bedtime and work demands went beyond our bedtime. And what we saw at the same time was a decrease in the health of our, our country, our people, to the point where for the first time ever, we're seeing our life expectancy go down instead of up, even with all the technology. So that had a huge amount to do with it, working past five o'clock because we didn't settle down as much. You know, one thing I work with with clients is developing a bedtime routine. You know, I, I talk to so many people that just look at me like I'm crazy when I talk about a bedtime routine. And yet we know for children how important that is because instinctively we know as parents that's important. But we lose that instinct and all the noise later on. And for a coach, you know, to talk to his players about a bedtime routine, you know, that sounds like something so foreign, I bet, to you and to many coaches. Would you say? Oh, sure. I mean, I you think of bedtime routines as what your four- and five-year-old kid does just to make – yeah, exactly. But why did we do bedtime routines for them, Dan? You're a parent. I'm a parent. Why did we do that? Because it worked. Because <laughs> well, we yeah, knew it, it worked, right? Exactly. We knew exactly. what their bodies needed. 
we still you, have you know that what I same think a body. Lot of adults, how a lot of adults would answer that question is, I need him to go to bed so I can get more work done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we knew intuitively what to do. We knew how to settle their right. brains and their bodies down. Right. We knew right. to give them a bath. We knew to do these things. And some of those physical things we did with our children, whether it was giving a bath or rocking them, we still need to do that with ourselves as adults. And that's one of the things, you know, at the end, I'll kind of tell you some things that coaches can do to kind of help their players. But I, I, can't, I can't express it any uh, more strongly than how clear the research is right. when we don't get enough sleep, our performance. Right, right. And, I, and again, I'll go back to the question because I know you have some things, some outlines of what coaches should be doing. And I want to I get to that both for themselves as well as suggestions for their athletes. But, you know, one more thing that, you know, again, I want to convince the coach that's listening to this that is still a little skeptical that at the end of the day, Tracy, it's about wins. And, yep. Dan, you can talk about this all you want, but my job's on the line and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep the job. Yep. So with that in mind. Um, I, I just could not wait. I wish you would bring about 15 coaches in front of me that felt that way. Because okay, so you have fifteen. You have more than fifteen right now listening to you. Oh, that I, maybe, and let's say most of them feel that way. Yep. What's your What is your pitch? What give What is the payoff for all this? The, the benefits are there. Yeah. Um, and you know, I would say that you know, look, if we could have six, seven weeks of vacation, that that would be a beneficial too. Or you know, yeah. twenty thousand dollars more in our coaching salary, that'd be beneficial. So. We're lining this up as in the same category. This is, you know, rainbow, rainbows and unicorns and more sleep. Oh, yeah. So what, what is, give them the payoff. What, why is this, why is this so important? Or what, what, what is the thing they're going to see if they follow these uh, instructions that you're about to give? You're going to be better. You're going to be so much better at what you do. You're going to be so much smarter. You're going to perform so much better. You know, I, I know people either love or hate Tom Brady, I get it, but mm -hmm. I do follow him as a scholar of human growth and development just because he's doing what he's doing at his age. And one of the things that TB12 Institute's really been into is sleep, and about, um, I don't know, five years ago, Tom Brady stopped using an alarm because he saw his performance go up the earlier he went to bed and was able to find his natural sleep number. And I started doing the same thing about three years ago. I found my sleep number and then I stopped using an alarm about three years ago. Because when I got the adequate sleep, I was so much smarter. I was so much better at what I did. I was so much more efficient. I don't think that if I was getting enough, not getting enough sleep right now, I could be on my A game with you right now the way mm -hmm. I am. It, it just makes all the difference professionally when you're sharp. And that's what I would tell the coaches. If you want to be better, if you want to win more, if you want to have, you know, one of the studies that came out about athletes is for football players especially, there are less accidents with quarterbacks on the field when the quarterbacks get adequate sleep. So imagine a football coach who has four quarterbacks and could end the season with four quarterbacks. Who's going to win then, Dan? Right. So right. Absolutely. we have to really, we have to put the noise away and we have to look at the scientific research. And, you know, that's the first thing I have when I, you know, what should a coach do is, you know, the first thing I had is that you have to educate yourself and your teammates on the facts. But the second thing you need to do is you need to believe it and you need to really believe it. You know, one of the things I tell my clients is that nobody comes to work and says on a Tuesday, 
I was so busy this weekend, I didn't even brush my teeth. No one says that. <laughs> right. Because the dental association educated people and then they made them believe that if they brushed their teeth once, twice, three times a day and flossed, they would have less cavities. That was just about educating and believing. And that's right. where we are right now. So it's still culturally okay for people to come in and say, oh, I just pulled an all-nighter last night. And it's okay. But it's really well, It's not almost okay. a badge of honor, isn't it? Yes. I, it, I think it culturally? won't, I hope it won't be as the research gets out. But I'm, I'm worried about, you know, the, the reasons for the pushback. And I don't know if the research will get out or not. I'm scared about right. that part. Sure. So before you get to before you get to the um, sort of your recommendations, yep. uh, uh, a couple of quick questions. So the fixes, if we're tired in the morning, let's just yep. I'm just playing this out as yep. we're talking about this. You don't get enough sleep. You have to get up and perform the next day. Yep. Um, a lot of people uh, will drink coffee all day or a lot of people, you know, they'll have their morning thing, whatever that is. Uh, to pick them up. If I'm working, if I'm flying or be on a campus or I'm busy, the yep. thing that that I will kind of use as my stimulant of, of choice is a uh, an iced tea from Starbucks. Yep. And, and a lot of coaches that where we've been on their campus, they'll see me with my gigantic iced tea um, to uh, uh, you know to kind of you know sip on throughout the day. Uh, so the artificial stimulants that we're giving ourselves yeah. um, as a remedy for lack of sleep, what does that do to us? Yeah, so, you know, a couple things. One is that we all have days where we don't get enough sleep the night before. That's called life, and that's sure. just fine. And, you know, coffee and tea, um, the research is in our favor right now for those of us that uh, should be investing in Starbucks, like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the research is in our favor. Both coffee and tea are loaded with the antioxidants. We know that they can help with something called oxidative stress that can actually help us with anti-aging. So don't feel bad about that at all. You just want to make right. sure that you're not substituting that for high nutritious food. So you want to right, supplement right. the no, high nutritious food. It's actually my substitute food. for soda. I gave up soda yeah, about eight, eight or nine years ago. And perfect. so I needed something you know, so that at least doesn't have any sugar in it. Um, so that's actually good. You made me feel pretty good about yeah. my Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I can always choice. make okay, anybody good. feel good about coffee or chocolate. Um, okay. <laughs> one, one of the things to think about, though, I want you to think about your yeah. question because it's only half, half full. So what you're talking about, you're talking about walking around the campus and you're feeling good. You know, you're kind of like energized on your tea. If you didn't have enough sleep, though, here's the half empty part of that question. When you sleep, one of the things that happens is memory consolidation. We do kind of a filing system at night where, let's say you saw me right now, I have on a white shirt with black flowers on it. You see that in your brain when you walk in right now, you would see me wearing that. Tonight, when you go to sleep, you're going to take that image and you're going to throw it away because you don't need your brain filled up with what, you know, that I had a brown dresser and a white top and blue sneakers on even though that image is in your head. So while the next day you're going to walk around campus, you're going to be a little bit energized, that's where you're not going to be as clear, and those stimulants cannot help clear that filing system. Right. Only sleep can. Right, so it's not a replacement. It could be a, good, it could be a coping mechanism or yep. a little thing to boost the energy, but it doesn't replace sleep. It Got won't it. help us with clarity. Sure. Okay, so when you work with clients, um, and 
and we'll give you know, the website and we'll link to that in the podcast as coaches want to get a hold of you. Yep. They know, you know you've worked with coaches and you understand coaches because you're married to one. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and I got to tell you, I got to throw it out here. I was a four-year D2 athlete. So was my husband. My youngest son just made varsity soccer. And my oldest son, as you know, is trying out for to be a professional athlete. So right. trust me, I'm living this life. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, you know, as you work with, with those clients uh, and, and kind of assess where they're at and give them recommendations and teach them how to, how to actually work this into a coaching life, a busy life. Can you go through the steps or the, the recommendations that, that you would make that you would be talking about with them that you feel and see work in the, in the real world? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I do with my clients is um, they, I get them to understand the importance. Um, they have to really get this part. Um, they can shake their head and, and say they know it, but if they don't really get it, then they're not going to make that change. So that's the first thing we do. We try to really understand. The second thing we understand, try to understand with the clients, is the concept of what we call sleep architecture. Understanding right. that sleep is something that actually needs to be built into our day, that there's a structure to a good night's rest, and there are things that happen throughout that good night's rest. Um, and that they understand that sleep is something that's planned and built into our schedule. And a lot of people don't really understand that. They think that they go to sleep, but actually as animals, which we are, like we're just like the horses and dogs and cats, that if we give ourselves the room, then our bodies will go to sleep because we naturally know how to do that. It's something that's not forced. It's about giving the space and the time and the framework and so then the next thing I do with the client is I make sure there's nothing physical in their way, like acid reflux or sleep apnea, um, a bad mattress, a snoring husband. And then we kind of build a framework that includes um, intentionality. It includes a bedtime routine. And then we start monitoring through biofeedback how they're feeling the more sleep they get. And I'm 100%. With number one, they find their numbers. This is what I need, seven hours and 45 minutes. If I get 735, I'm not right. If I get 730, I'm not right. But 745, I'm operating at my peak performance. So right. that happens over and over and over again. Our bodies are so well programmed for it. My job is the easiest job in the world. Right, right. When, can I ask another question just as you were talking? Is there a a right amount of sleep for everybody or are we all different? For so, instance, I mean, the, the person that does feel great after five hours of sleep and they seem to operate fine. And then, um, you know, you, you know, you have people that will get a good night's sleep, but they also feel like they need a nap during the day. Yep. Um, is are each one of those right? In other words, there's no right or wrong answer to this test. Yeah. So, so a couple things you, you hit on a couple really important points. First of all, when we look at, tens and hundreds of thousands of people through National Sleep Foundation, Centers for Disease Control, National Institutes of Health, we do find that the majority of adults need seven to nine hours of sleep, adolescents eight to 10. Okay. That's a pretty solid number that very few, again, few, there's always exceptions, people fall outside of. The one thing that varies that you don't think about a lot though is whether or not I have a ankle that's healing, or I've had a very stressful day, or um, I'm fighting a cold, in that situation, I may need a nap in the afternoon, or I may need a little bit more sleep. 
but we usually don't find where people need less sleep outside of their window. And again, like our thirst mechanism that doesn't work 100%, neither does our awareness of our sleep and performance. We don't know how bad we feel a lot of times. When, you know, there's this guy, I think he's at Harvard, it's a sleep institute, and he says, I challenge any CEO to come in here and do these sleep tests and t because they say I only need four or five hours of sleep. He said, I've never been proven wrong. Hmm. because we can look at tests on the computer, we can look at performance tests, where they're just not performing as well as they thought they were. That's the issue. And so for the quarterback that's memorizing plays, for the coach that you know, thinks he can only get four or five hours of sleep, he's kidding himself. He's right. not, right. he thinks if he stays up until three and sleeps on his couch, he's going to be better. But again, he has to think back to when I played basketball and they said you could only have one drink of water in three hours. We know more now, and we have to allow the research to drive this and kind of come out of that stubborn place that we've been in order to get better. Right, right. Okay, so continue to run through that, you know, the, the list of recommendations or um, sort of main points that you have coaches, athletes, anybody that you're working with, uh, focus on so that they can become better when it comes to the whole idea of, of sleep. Yeah, the first thing is, you know, that I said is you need to educate yourself. If you're a coach, if you're an athletic director, you know, if you're an AD, before you go to your coaches, you need to really educate yourself. It's easy to do. It's everywhere. You look at the good stuff. Don't look at the crap on the Internet. Just go to CDC, go to NIH. And then, you know, you got to educate your staff, your teammates on the facts. But then the next thing is you need to believe it. You need to really just hunker down and believe it's true. And then you need to make it part of the team training plan. So if you've got all these specialists coming in, you know, weightlifting coaches, nutritionists, but they're not getting enough sleep to have their hormones balanced and their food choices correct, you know, you really need to incorporate this if you're incorporating all the other things. And, you know, we've seen the NFL do it with sleep bracelets. You know, they're making their teams, their players track the amount of sleep every night because they've got high-paid people to understand the research. Um, so you really need to make sleep a part of the training plan. When Mike was a coach, you know, he had me in his ear, so he had all his rowers track the amount of sleep they were getting and he could see his erg times going down so again this isn't a punishment which is a good thing just for the, the non yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right. exactly like a faster time let's say it that way right exactly um so yeah and so it's this isn't a punishment this is a path towards peak performance you know you kind of got to get that in your head and then the next thing you have to do is have your athletes record their sleep just like you record the weights they lift you know, again, if you can have them record their increase on weights, you can have them record their increase on sleep. And then the next thing is so simple, but it's so important, is that when your athlete comes to the office and tells you they're not happy and tells you they're quitting and tells you they're failing their classes, this needs to be the first question that you ask them. How much sleep are you getting? And right. we know from the research, athletes are not getting the required amount of sleep that they need. And so once they tell you, well, my roommate's up till one, and then, coach, we have practice at six. And I just wrote it down, Dan, you know, if you have uh, practice at 6 a.m. and your athlete has to get eight to 10 or seven to nine hours, hey, guess what time they have to go to bed? They have to be in bed right. eight to 10 p.m. So if you're not allowing for that structure, you're just kind of, you're starting off on the wrong foot for your season. Right, right. Okay, number two. 
Um, that was it. That was educate yourself. Oh. Um, yeah. Make them believe it. Really make it part of the training plan. And then as the training plan, have them record their sleep. And then when they come to the office, the next thing you need to do is you need to ask them how much sleep they're getting. And you need to begin to monitor that and ask to monitor that before they make a decision to quit or leave the school. I really think that's and, important. And, and we've been talking a lot about like the coaching, the adult side of it, the professionals, the CEOs you may have worked with in the past, as well as coaches. Have you found that athletes and young adults embrace this? Ugh, we have a we have a we have hardly a preteen the in the house, and and he seems to uh, he'll he'll take the nine or ten hours a night gladly if we uh, if we let him, especially uh, during the summer when uh, when school's out. But yeah. but yeah, give me the, the reaction. You know, is, is it different than the adults when you're dealing with with kids? Yeah, I tell you what's different is... And I'm defining kids as anyone under 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I are old enough to do that. Yeah, so they they, they want to get the sleep. They absolutely want to. Mm-hmm. But culturally, I mean, I, I just have a hard time. You know, when I get up in the morning, you can check a teen's phone, and there's Snapchats all through the night, <sighs> right. even from the good kids with good parents. So what does that mean? That means that there's cultural pressure to be up all night long. And so when you're asking your teen to go to bed instead of being on their phone, you know, there's a pretty big dichotomy there. You know, there's a pretty big conflict there. So yeah, they're gonna say, no, this is a trust issue and you need to trust me. And But when you know what I know, it's non-negotiable. So yeah, there's a ton of pushback because there's so much cultural pushback. Right, right. But, you know, there's right. a study, um, they did uh, with SA, the SAT, they gave one group mm-hmm. of students a, like, 10-week review course, and this will be good for your coaches that are, you know, helping their athletes succeed academically. There was a group of students where they gave them, like, an eight, six-week um, review course for the SAT, and another group where they gave them eight to ten hours of sleep at night, and all things remained equal. They, the group that got the sleep before the SAT scored on average higher than the group that did the review course but didn't get adequate sleep the night before. Academically, it's a slam dunk. If our kids are going to bed and getting the adequate sleep, on average, they're gonna do better. And I'll tell you what else, in twin studies, we know that kids who get more sleep are on average taller than kids who don't get enough sleep. So if you've got you know little Johnny who's 12 or 15 and wants to play basketball or football or run track, and he wants to be tall, that's one of his best paths there is to sleep right. because when they sleep is when they grow. Right. And, you know, just in my former life as a, as a coach, a football coach, there were several great athletes we had that played four different sports. And in the summer they were training and they were always up and going, 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 and they didn't get sleep. I mean, just not even that their parents were, were, neglecting them or anything it's just that the schedule they were on they never had time to rest and recover and guess what they topped out at five foot nine five foot ten they had tall parents and and they never grew so i am a i'm a huge believer in that and i've seen it uh i've I've seen that happen and uh, you know it's it's easy with twin studies because what they do is they take identical twins who are genetically the same and one has been adopted out and the other stays with a different family and then they can track the sleep and they can look on average the height and we know on average the more sleep they get the taller they are so I mean that should be an amazing selling point to some of your young athletes 
Right. So, so summarizing it for coaches that are listening, when it comes to maybe the first thing that they should do, if, if, if they have listened for the last half hour, they, they're bought into it, they realize, wow, okay, I do need to pay attention to this. Um, maybe they didn't know that professional sports and professional coaches and organizations are starting to pay more and more attention to the entire aspect of sleep and making sure these investments that are on the field or on the court are are going to pay off. Yes. So they're taking all that in. What? How do they practically start putting it in place? What is they bought into the big concept? How? What, what are the first two or three steps that you would want to see them take? Yeah, I would first. You know, when they do orientation for their players, they would make it known up front that sleep will be a part of our training plan this year. That recovery will be a part of our training plan this year. You know, we we didn't know when I was an athlete in college, we knew nothing about recovery and the importance of recovery. We know so much more about that now in terms of injuries, injury prevention, um, hormone balancing, you know, so you're going to be talking to your athletes not only about lifting weights and about academics, but you're also going to be talking to them about the big R word, about recovery. And then you're going to lay out for them what recovery consists of. It consists of blueberry and pineapple smoothies after you're working out and why. It consists of rest. It consists of emotional recovery. So you're finding some time to make you feel good at a level that's going to keep you at that school when you're homesick. I mean, you know, I was lucky. I told you I have a PhD. You know, my area of expertise is in integrated health care. If we want these students to stay connected to where they are, they have to be healthy throughout their system, not just as physically, because it, it doesn't work. We know that through a broken healthcare system. So one of the things that I was so inspired today to do this, and I've been so looking forward to it, is I believe coaches are super powerful individuals, and athletic directors are you know, even a step above that. We can make a difference at the ground level as we begin to educate and talk about things like recovery and health across the lifespan and teaching these students um, what it means to really take care of themselves and reach their peak performance. So yeah, I, I think just talking to them about it and telling them this is going to be a part of our plan, a part of our strategy. All right, Coach, what did you think? Pretty compelling stuff, I, I, I would say. And hopefully it sheds some new light on why you need to take this so seriously. And again, especially why you need to talk to your athletes about this because it is affecting elements of what they're able to do for you on the court, on the field, in the pool, on the track, wherever you coach. This is affecting them as well as you. So I just want to have you think about it. And again, our, the goal here is to make you as great of a coach and as great of a recruiter as possible. And if one simple change in your lifestyle can help you do that, then we want to be an advocate for that. So that's going to do it for today. If you want to contact Dr. Tracy Davenport, uh, her email address is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at tracyshealthyliving.com. She works with individuals around the country to help them and personally coach them through this. She can work with your team. She can talk to you one-on-one and just give you the advice and direction and outline a plan that may, uh, that may help you be better at what you do and enjoy a better night's sleep. So before this starts sounding like uh, some sort of elaborate mattress commercial, I'm going to say goodbye. And also, good night, because I can get ready for my day tomorrow. 
And I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Coach, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.